Listener Production. Hello and welcome to Willow Talk for another week. Adam Peacock here with Brad Haddon and Ben Horn from the Daily Telegraph and the News Corp papers around the country. How are we, gents? I'm outstanding. Yes. Uh, England have lost but morally won the, the game, that 300, oh, sorry, 434-run defeat at the hands of India, but they played the better cricket. Yeah, we're not celebrating or anything, Ben, oh. but um, can you pass me that bottle of Dom Perignon, please? <laughs> Already drunk mine. <laughs> Extraordinary, Ben. Yeah, incredible. I mean, it's this seems to be the point where now a debate is raging in England about whether this has gone too far and Joe Root's dismissal probably being at the centre of it. But, yeah, it's, it's funny sort of sitting back and watching it all unfold. Yeah. You know, it was funnier though, Ben. Ashwin, he, he had to leave the test match mm-hmm. for personal reasons and uh, I hope everything's all right at home. You hate to hear those words in, in any press conference. Players leaving for that. But England, who own the spirit of cricket and, and the way they want to play under Ben Stokes, didn't allow him to have another player. I know it's in the rules not to, but Mm. this England team's changing everything. (laughs) So I I don't understand why they wouldn't have given them another player. Would have Uh, been a nice gesture. It would have been a beautiful mm, gesture. It's fair to say later in the show we're going to discuss this test match and the uh, the ramifications. (laughs) The joy that is emanating around this particular room where we're doing this podcast is extraordinary. But, uh, yeah, we will have a look back at that thumping win for India in the third test. Uh, We'll look ahead to Wednesday's opening T20 international between Australia and New Zealand. We're going to recap. Australia's big win in the women's test in Perth. We will have to discuss a certain dismissal on a certain score for a certain co-host of this particular podcast, but uh, well, she's Benny, not here. what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to finish with a look at domestic cricket around the country, another Shield round happening at the moment. You've got the Marsh Cup final coming up this weekend as well. As always, a big thanks to those who have left us a review on Spotify and Apple, 286 Ratings on Spotify. We're all about numbers here at Willow Talk. Our target is 300 by the end of summer, which is when the clocks go back pretty much. Apple, we're 13 short of 100 ratings. Hope this is not going to be a crap show then. We're on 87. So, yeah, we'll uh, see, how we, <laughs> see how we go. Um, a few ratings, a few comments here. Running Brody says, keep it up. Listing to the cricket yarns is fast becoming one of the highlights of my week as a father of a budding keeper. The insights of Hads and Heels is excellent. Great cricket stories and excellent insight. Thanks for making it. No worries, running Brody And uh, Brody, maybe? Brody, Brody, it is. Sorry, Brody. Any tips? Any tips off the top of your head? More one? Another one here for after the nice uh, comments? Well, as the father of a keeper, hmm? his son or daughter must be a good person. Oh, there you go. He's raised a good person. He might be a good person as well, or she as well. Ali Road 7 left a lovely review. We heard from Alistair last week. In a nutshell, he said, by far the best cricket podcast going around. And Shells Bell says, love the pod. Can't believe how many predictions don't come true. But I still have faith. Keep entertaining, lads, and heels, and Ben today as well. We wanted to go back over our – remember we did our summer predictions, what was going to be the headlines? I think what I said. Well, we basically scrapped it because – None of them were any good. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to review what we previewed (laughs) and they were that far off the mark it wasn't worth doing. So anyway, what we will do is have a little look at the T20 series. Begins on Wednesday. Very relevant because of a T20 World Cup this year for the men. Another injury to Marcus Stoinis. Mm. It keeps on happening to him and I I can think of in the last 12 months, it was longer with Jai Richardson, but Jai Richardson and Marcus Stoinis out more than they're in, unfortunately. 
And it's a bad time for him to get an injury because there's a lot of good players vying for 15 spots in this World Cup squad. Spencer Johnson's come in for him. There's one. Um, Can I just stop you right there, by the way? Spencer Johnson, mild thing. Mm. You coined it. No. It's actually uh, <laughs> Crash Craddock. Crash came up yeah. with it and you just yeah. hopped on. Because yeah, I read yeah. your analysis as well <laughs> and I went mild thing. And I, that was the first place I read it. I didn't read Crash's initial. I call it a broadside towards Spencer Johnson. But um, has he any communication between uh, you and said, yeah, said person? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know Crash loves it. He's very happy with that nickname. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know how Spencer's taken it. but uh, Mild thing. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's certainly more about his personality than his bowling because that's not mild. He's been the highlight of the summer almost for, for mine, Spencer. But, um, yep. yeah, I mean, I was stunned that he wasn't in the original squad so it's good that he's made it there however he's made it there and it's going to be a really interesting three-match series in New Zealand because it looks like they've taken their full strength team there Hmm. but you know there's lots of players that are knocking on the door so yeah a couple of plays probably primarily Steve Smith with a lot to play for. Well you had Stoinis when you did your 11 at the moment here you had him on in there just you thought about it but does this these continuing body issues maybe put him down the pecking order a little bit, Marcus Thornis? Well, I think the one thing Marcus Thornis needs to, to be a consistent player in this Australian team is his bowling. Mm. Um, that, that's the one thing he, he's done really well over the, the last few series. He's come in and bowled at, at important times. He, he's quite valuable with the ball, actually. You can use him up front if you've got swinging conditions, but they do rely on him a lot at the back end of the game to bowl tough overs. So... It's an uncomfortable time to, to get injured, ne- never a great time. But to, to bring um, Spencer Johnson in, mm. I wouldn't be making way in any team for, for him to come in because the more exposure he gets at international cricket, the better he's getting. So I, I wouldn't be um, one to walk away and give him a chance. Matty Wade will miss the first match for the birth of his third child. Had did, At the start of your career, were, were blokes missing games for the birth of children or did it kind of change at the start of your career? No, I, I couldn't remember guys really missing. I, I tell you, Nathan Lyon, uh, I think it was his second daughter. Mm-hmm. He was in the UAE the time and he watched the birth on the, the Skype screen. Okay. I, I remember having a conversation with him actually and, and he's thinking, I've got to go home for the birth and, and you're all for it. You, you, you don't want to miss those moments in life. But he goes, oh, I think my test career is on the line here. Like it was a really interesting time for him. So he, he made the tough decision to stay and look, and look where he's now. But yeah, it ha- happens a, a lot more now. I, I remember I was lucky that, um, <laughs> I don't know, my wife was so lucky, but my first two kids, we had Zach yeah. and, and Mia, but had Zach, got Karina home, yep. said good luck and see you in three and a half months. So <laughs> I don't know whether it's better to, to be there yeah. or just walk out the door. So <laughs> that happened twice. We had a tour of India. Um, so I just walked out. So, yeah, that's that's fantastic um, <laughs> partnership you've got going there at home. Has. It's still going strong, obviously. She's a wonderful woman. Far out. But, Patient. Um, yeah, you've just hopped on a plane for, for 12 hours in business class sipping champagne while she's got screaming children everywhere. Oh, no, it's tough work, business class. Having to sit up and sit through the birth and things like that then get yeah, them yeah. home. I, I yeah. fell asleep. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> You're an idiot. What do you make of the how they approach this though, Ben? Do they go in all matches, let's pick our best, or do they, they fiddle around and, and try some things still ahead of this uh, T20 World Cup? I mean, look, I think they will fiddle around a bit, particularly because they're managing players, I guess, with test series to follow and uh, different things like that. But, you know, in certain positions, I think they really need to find out who's the man there. Like, as I said, Steve Smith opening the batting. Is he going to open the batting for Australia at the World Cup or is he not? That's a decision they need to make 
during mm. this series. So I think that to me, that's the standout position. I don't know what you think, Hads. That's the one to me that is really undecided, who is David Warner's opening partner. The rest of the team sort of takes care of itself, really. Getting back to Stoinis, I guess one thing that's helped him is his original replacement, Aaron Hardy, who would have been a threat to uh, his place in the World Cup, is also out injured now as well. So mm. I think, you know, Stoinis will still have a chance. He's um, He was their best player at the last T20 World Cup, which was, yeah, not saying a lot because Australia were, were terrible. But uh, he does have a good record at these T20 World Cups. And, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. I've got Inglis and, personally, Inglis and uh, Travis Head ahead of, Steve Smith to open the batting. Maybe Smith in the middle order somewhere if you want someone to balance things. I don't know if you need that in a T20 um, hads, but would you have it that way or you got Steve Smith higher up the pecking order? Well, I, I think the top four is already decided. Mm. I, I think Warner's going to open with Head, Marsh at three and Glenn Maxwell at four. Okay. Um, the interesting one now is, is Matthew Wade. I think he's been outstanding at, at number six and seven in this 2020 format. We, we've seen when they won in... Um, the UAE, a, a lot of that was off the back of him scoring runs under pressure, the, the way he controls the game. The other thing he's very helpful with is Mitch Marsh is still a young captain and, and, and Matthew Wade is captain a lot of teams. He's he's quite a cool head under pressure now. So you sort of need that balance in the team at the moment um, with Marsh just trying to find his feet. That'll change over time and, and I think Dan Inglis will come in. But Josh Inglis gets his opportunity now with no Matthew Wade. Does he go and fit into that role at six and seven, because I, I think the top four is decided. Steve Smith, I would take in the squad to the World Cup because one, he can cover all positions in the batting order. And you talk about, yes, 200 runs when you games, that's a beautiful game of 2020, but it might be 150 on some of those wickets uh, over there in the Caribbean. So Steve Smith then becomes a really important player in the middle. Yeah. I was going to ask you about how you'd expect a T20 World Cup in the West Indies to play because it was the ongoing conversation through the last T20 World Cup in Australia with Steve Smith not in the 11. And I'm not saying he would have made a huge difference to Australia's performance, but it didn't help that Australia crashed out of the tournament without Steve Smith even playing a game. So they need to be really clear on what their plan is there because when you leave someone like Steve Smith out, there's pressure on everyone else. Mitch Marsh, is he locked in as captain? Is that the the kind of word behind the scenes? Yeah, I I would have thought the fact he's captaining this series with Pat Cummins in the team would would say that he's locked in. He's locked. And that for you is a positive, how Mitch has handled uh, the the C next to his name so far? Yeah, I I like it. I I, I think I like the development. We we need to start developing different leaders. We've seen David Warner leave out of two forms of the game. Steve Smith um, now he's he's getting older, still a great leader, but we need to start developing leaders. And and Mitch Marsh, the the good thing about him at the moment is at the top of his game. Mm. So his spot's not under question. So it's always good to give leadership opportunities with those guys when they're at the top of their game, but also have a few senior players around them. So I'd expect Steve Smith to to be somewhere in that squad. Um, Josh Inglis will go as a spare batter as well. So you, you cover top order and middle order there as well. So, um, yeah, Matthew Wade will come back in. And now a programming note for this week. Usually uh, when you wake up on a Thursday morning, bang, Willow Talk is there for you. It's going to be a little later on Thursday because we want to react to the Wednesday night uh, match in this T20 series. So that's why it's going to be a little later. And the Kiwis, well, they're cock-a-hoop. They've uh, real surprise test series win over South Africa, Jay. It's not South Africa A or B or that we went all the way down there with uh, the calibre of plays. Realistically, guys... I'm really uncomfortable with the fact that 
your your test averages and all those things because cricket is a numbers games and we, we numbers game and we judge players with the numbers next to them. But seriously, this series does it. I mean, the the result might come as an asterisk, but is it as satisfying? Put us in a Kiwi position. Is it as satisfying from a Kiwi cricket position to just put up these numbers and and wipe the floor with their opponents? No, although I think they're probably more relieved than satisfied because they got out of jail yeah. in the second test. Yeah. But yeah, look, I hope that this series is a real line in the sand for the ICC and whoever's running the game because something needs to be done to protect these teams like South Africa in particular, but you know, New Zealand, West Indies, Sri Lanka, all these sides because we can't have test cricket just being a three team competition. If it's Australia, England and India and no one else, it's going to affect test cricket obviously in the long term. So I really think that the game needs to get together this year and work out a way of financially making it viable for these other teams to invest in in cricket, in test cricket and to some, you know, I'm not saying it's an easy solution, but to make sure that you don't have these situations arising. Even if there's less test cricket, make sure it's good test cricket if it's being played. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Benny, but with the ICC, something's got to happen. We, we haven't got the answers yet, but it is one of the answers. Can we put a block in the calendar for just test cricket? Mm. Like then you can, the ICC might be able to, to pay some uh, money for the top 15 West Indian contracted players to, to make it attractive at that time. So if there's no cricket on at that time, all of a sudden we're prioritising test cricket all around the world. There may be two divisions. Um, mm. I, I don't know the answer, but is there an opportunity to, to get a window so in that period, the West Indies aren't in any other leagues around the world. They're all available to play. And then maybe then we can start getting the other countries up to speed with test cricket. I had a close look at this about how you might be able to do it. Now, big problem for cricket is the fact that it's played in both hemispheres. Yeah. So you've got strong teams in both hemispheres. So essentially you've got to split. If you're going to do it that way, you've got to split the calendar into four, not two. So you've, you've got the Northern Hemisphere summer yep. and the Southern Hemisphere summer, but they all want to play. Like England, you can only play cricket really. International cricket, you'd only want to play international cricket over there for three months of the year because otherwise weather becomes too big a factor. Maybe you can get away with it late May, but June, July, August, and I know we've played Asher series into September, but the big issue is around that they want, like here at the Big Bash, we want to play our test cricket during the day and then have the Big Bash on at night because that's when all eyeballs are on, we're all off, and we're all eating prawns and leftover ham and all of that. It's the same in England with the 100 and their, their white ball cricket with concurrently the test series going on. So I don't know how they do it, but maybe there's white ball international windows. You're quarantining those so they're not weakened heavily. So you're not crossing over like we saw with yeah. the Windies with the T20s and the, the one dayers. Their, their best players are not off in Abu Dhabi or wherever they were playing in Dubai. But I don't know how you cross it over with test cricket because you're so limited with seasonal factors. Yeah. Well, I mean – specifically with South Africa, I mean, obviously they cannot be allowed to play test cricket while their franchise league's going on because Can't happen. The, the, no. the entire contract with the TV networks is that every single top player needs to be playing the franchise league. So why schedule them a test match, test series in New Zealand? And didn't they, didn't they go to New Zealand and say, hey, this is happening? Can we maybe just work it around? And the Kiwi said, well, no, because we've got Australia coming here mm. right after and it's, yeah. it's our slot to have... But, I mean, if I'm the TV broadcaster in New Zealand of that cricket, my head's blown off. Yeah. I'm just losing it at the fact that we're playing this and it's just such a watered-down concept. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, the, the other thing we, with that, yes, it was a watered-down um, concept, and and South Africa come out and said that it shouldn't have happened, and, and let's hope in, in the future they've they made the mistake and they move on. But the flip side to that as well, if South Africa don't run that 2020 competition, they're once again out of international yeah. cricket. So that, they were broke. Mm. Look at um, the money. Yeah. yeah, they were done. So what saved them is that the Indian backers came in, their international players, as you said, there was contracted, they had to play. And that was the only way they could get money back into yeah. South African cricket because if that doesn't happen, all of a sudden you've got your school cricket, your grassroots cricket, that, that's non-existent. Yeah, yeah. And once again, we lose South African cricket. Well, that's what Graham Smith said, wasn't know, it? Well, about yeah. the fact that uh, they have to run this competition because yeah. it's our lifeblood. Now. That's right, yeah. And... I heard Harsha Bogle talking during the summer about what his solution would be. And basically it was that these countries do need to be fed more money from India and from the ICC, but it can't just be a handout of of cash because you just never know what's going to happen. It can't be from admin to admin. Yeah. Absolutely So it, it has to almost be a compensation almost after the event for hosting a test match because it, it does cost money for these countries to put tests on. Uh, they, they do it at a loss. So the way of funneling the money to them has to be in such a way that you know where it's going and it's guaranteeing that the test match is going to be played. I think that can uh, the ICC can take a lot through how FIFA do things with big competitions through FIFA. There's a lot of compensation that goes on, especially if players injured themselves. Basically, if you blow a knee out of the World Cup, mm. the club gets that player paid for, for that year, however long he or she is out for. There's a lot of compensation in terms of funding from those directly from those tournaments. And then there's ongoing funding separate to that as well through the year. But my idea has is that for the tier 1B nations, I call them, so your South Africa's, your, your Sri Lanka, your West Indies, who are established test nations, that there is a a little cut taken from the central pool that the ICC get from their events, which they put on really well and credit to the ICC under 19. We big that up about how well they do to put that on as well. Great development competition. But they take a slice out of their central pot to say, look, we're going to give the 15 best West Indian test cricketers 500 grand each on top of what they're getting from their thing just to, I don't know, just to kind of incentivise that test factor. Well, just it- it's an impossible thing to yeah. clearly work out because there's so many factors at play here, but that's well, one idea. Yeah, there isn't. It's impossible actually to, to get the right answer. But the, like the other thing, okay, you're talking about West Indies now. They're, they're red hot on our minds. They've just come out here, had a great win against us in the test series. But it might not be giving the money mm. to the 15 test players. It might be saying, okay, we need to actually give some money to the grassroots and structure of West Indies cricket. They, they've got all different countries com- competing for to get international cricket. So it it mightn't be you give the money to them. It might be, yes, we'll take the money, but we choose, and the ICC then might have to look over this, say, okay, this generation we might have missed. We might Mm. need to start rebuilding West Indies cricket from the ground up and give the money to grassroots. And then it's not like a one, two or three-year plan. It might be a five-year plan and then to make them successful again. But is that not just producing more players for the T20 leagues in the end? when it comes down to it and not protecting that test cricket? Well, that the one thing at the moment, the, the reason that they go, the, mm. the West Indies players, is the West Indies cricket board have to let them go because yeah. they can't afford to pay them. Yeah. So if you build from the ground up, you, you, you pay these players right to come through, you get your infrastructure there right, yep. then maybe, oh, as I said, I haven't got the answer, but we, do we have to start looking at it differently? Okay, here's 15 uh, plays, we're going to give you 500,000 to play. Mm. It might be 
okay, this is a six-year plan. We, we've got to create some infrastructure here. We've got to get the players coming through, loving test cricket, making that more attractive, and then maybe that's when they start to build. Because we look at it now and we think, oh, well, it's saturated. It's totally saturated the T20 leagues around the world. Mm. No, it's not. There'll be more. There'll be <laughs> yeah. more that pop up. I mean, it's only like even America's having a crack at it with the, the MLC and, and that's only going to grow, you would think. Mm. What's to say that the uh, the time-honoured European Cricket League doesn't take cool. off and everyone wants to go there and play on the uh, the rollout mats mm. that they play in Barcelona and things like Romania. that. Romania. We'll go. <laughs> okay. Can we do a show from there, Sam? <laughs> Done. <laughs> Happily go. So apparently the Windy's lost $2 million sending men's and women's teams out this summer. So mm. the, the board's copying it as well. They're, they're leaking money and mm. that's money that probably can't get spent on their the Red Bull domestic league that they play and then their white ball uh, their, their T20 league, Caribbean Premier League yeah. goes alright but yeah yeah sadly I mean it's definitely heading in a direction I guess like international soccer where the leagues around the world take precedence and then international matches fit in in and around that and I think almost, it's almost getting to the point where cricket needs to just bite the bullet and accept that that's going to happen and maybe that's a way then to start as you were saying, carving out specific spots in the calendar where there can't be any franchise cricket on. They've got to do it. Otherwise, it's going to get like football where it's tiny little windows for international stuff Mm. and the calendar is, say you got, if you give it 100% for the whole calendar, I would say 85% of it is for club football. Mm. Imagine if that happened in cricket and you got 15% of the time Mm. for international cricket. In a sport that takes weeks to play, that's the thing. You can't just go and play a quick match and come home. Horrific. Anyway, there was a quick match over at the Wacker last week. Australia absolutely gave it to uh, South Africa in the women's test by an innings and 284 runs. I sat down to watch day one and I went, oh, okay, Australia batted first and they're going, okay, oh, wait, look down the bottom. 76, South Africa. Thanks very much. So bowled so well. Got it right with the bat. Australia, dominant, dominant performance. Good to see from uh, Australia's women who, yeah, were, were pushed up against it in some of the white ball stuff in that series. Well, I'll tell you what happened there in that test match, which was a really brave core, was from Healy. She mm. sent the opposition in at, at, the at the Wacker in 40 degrees heat. So they had to bowl them out. She put a lot of pressure on the bowlers. Mm. Um, they came up, they were outstanding with, with, with the ball. The, the South African women just didn't handle the bounce. Um, we, we hit the right areas. I, I think it was um, Brown was was outstanding with the ball to start with. But the, the one thing about it, after they lost that one-day game, that one one-day game, and South Africa came out and said, oh, then the aura is gone. Oh, <laughs> do you reckon you'll take that back? Yeah. <laughs> Since then, yeah. it's it sort of it clicked a switch in this Australian team and, and all yeah. of a sudden we some unbelievable performances. But uh, Healy 99, Sutherland 200, Brown 5 for 21 on day one. But don't poke the beast. Yeah. They're, they've been the most outstanding sporting team a- across the globe for for the best part of 15 years. Do not poke the beast and that's a lesson learnt by South Africa. What about James Sutherland? His, his time in charge of Cricket Australia, it's, it's it's still bearing fruit because he's obviously had a clear idea about the development pathways for both Will and Annabelle. <laughs> so Annabelle, 210, not out. And poor old Will, who's going okay, is clearly the second best player in his family <laughs> at the moment. So just an extraordinary performance. And, uh, when you mentioned to some of the women's players, Ben, about Annabelle Sutherland, they, they kind of go into a bit of a hushed tone about oh, my goodness, she's so good and mm. she's only going to get better. If she's only going to get better from this, it's mind-blowing what she could be. Yeah, well, it's kind of Elise Perry-like, uh, dare I say, isn't it? Being able to bat five in the test team and essentially be a strike bowler as well. 
yeah, unbelievable. And just that sort of ability to play at beginnings, you know, that's her, you know, she made 100 batting at seven or eight in her first test uh, mm. in England last year and now another double 100 in a test match. So to just jump into the test match f- format like that and um, mm. and dominate, incredible effort. But, I mean, she wasn't that far away from challenging for the Belinda Clark yeah. medal and the way she started this year. She's, early favourite. She's half a chance of winning one at some point in her career, I would have thought. <laughs> she's 22. Yeah. yeah. Phoebe Litchfield is 21. Darcy Brown is 21 or nearly 21. Sorry, Phoebe's 21 shortly. Ash Gardner, Soph Molyneux, only 26. So you're wondering, okay, you've got some elder stateswomen of the game mm. still playing, obviously, like El Capitan or La, La Capitana, it is actually, <laughs> the female version of that. But um, – yeah, the the regeneration is just happening before our eyes and happening pretty successfully, Hats. Well, and that's the the exciting thing for for a captain. Helio, very experienced on the world stage, and 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 to be able to massage his team the way she wants. The, the legacy she's she's going to leave now, two years um, at most, maybe she's going to play for maybe a little bit longer. But to be able to massage the, these young girls into the style they want, teams are coming after them now, and. Mate, I, I just think it's an exciting time. They're so young. But the the one thing about the series is the multi-format series. Like mm. do, they've got a craving to, to play more test cricket. Are the other nations up to that? Can they compete with Australia? Or is it still the, the best entertainment value to, to play white ball series uh, against other countries? So I know the appetites to play more test cricket, but are the other countries up to it outside of the same conversations we have with the men, mm. with England and India? We've got to mention it, Elisa. If you miss, uh, if you're listening, sorry. The 99. Only 12 players in Test history have a 99 as their highest score, and two of them are married. <laughs> but oh, the shot, the shot has. We, we were talking about what's the prettiest shot. Oh, I was one of the ones you missed actually. What, what's the prettiest shot? I felt like she got stuck between two pretty shots and trying to play an on on drive push, and then a flick off the pads, and then somehow it ended up going to the Offside, just of the bowler and out. What a stinker, unfortunately. Oh, it would have been good to have one up on your husband. <laughs> That's what I would have been thinking. He might have been relieved yeah. watching it home. He was commentating, actually, wasn't he? Starkey was on. But she played outstanding. Yeah. I, I, I'd love to see her opening in the test match. Yeah. I, I think she's set up for, for that game to, to drive the game. It they, is the message that you send the most on this yeah. on this group chat of ours. Every game that Australia plays, Hads is, are you opening? Are you opening? <laughs> like a dad or something like that. You want it to, you want it to dominate <laughs> from the top. <laughs> Mate, I just like the way they moved the game forward. But yeah, I, I think I would have been the second most disappointed person. Mm. At least getting out on 99 because I had my story all ready to go. <laughs> it's about 10 o'clock at night, right on the deadline. The play's about to finish. It's all taken care of. Flick had to rewrite down, the whole thing. Flick one down the pitch. Yeah. We did make a point, though, that only absolute icons of Australian cricket make 99 at the Wacker. And uh, SK Warren is one of those mm. as well. As a no ball. As a no ball. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, next up, the, the Women's Premier League starts on the weekend. We're going to take a little breather and come back and talk about England. Can't wait. <laughs> 
Okay, if you're an England cricket fan, just hit skip forward about 20 times, you know, the little plus 10 button that you can have on podcasts when the ads come up or whatever like that. No, of course, listen to the ads. are wonderful supporters of us here at Willow Talk. But yeah, I'm not sure you want to listen to this if you're an England cricket fan, or maybe it's going to help you get over what just happened. It was labelled in places like The Times as Basball's worst ever day. India win the third test by 343 uh, 334 runs, it was nearly that many, to go 2-1 up. A statement for both sides. A statement of intent and brilliance from India and a statement of what the hell was that from England. Can you guys sum it up? Well, this will be the biggest test of sticking with the style, which they've done very well. And even when there's been slip-ups before, they've sort of shrugged it off and just, no, we're, we're keeping this style. But this will be the biggest test of that because there's been a lot of blowback from home. And I mean, the, the bizarre thing to me is that they've sort of done the hard part by embracing this new style of cricket, which I think we can all agree has been fantastic yep. for the game and has changed the game. And it's been great, but their inability then to make adjustments, it's almost like this kind of arrogance of not being able to kind of accept that maybe some parts of it need to be fine-tuned. That's the part that I, I can't understand. And for Joe Root to think that he needs to be playing that sort of shot when he averages 50 in test cricket long before baseball was invented. To me, it's bizarre because they've done the hard part in inventing this style, but they, they can't find that second and third gear. It always has to be fourth and fifth. Now, Hads, you've been not a critic of baseball. You're just confused about it. Are you even more confused now? Or you've got a bit of clarity about it's maybe verging on a bit of BS. I think the, the confusion lies with their players. I think they've got caught up into what they think baseball's like. I heard Ben Duckett, who got a, actually an unbelievable 150, a run and ball 100, mm. then came out after that and said, oh, we've changed the way that the game's played. The reason, um, who got the double 100? Jay Swall. Jay Swall. Jay yeah, Swall yeah. got the double 100. He's got a couple of hundreds this series. Mm. Oh, the reason he's done so well is because of us. C- come on. Like they've invented quick yeah. scoring. Mm. Yeah, it's like it's never happened before. And the yeah. one thing, I, I like what they're doing with Test Cricket. I, mm. I like the style of game. I like what Brendan McCullum's brought to the change room. But it's those little comments like, oh, we're going to chase 600 down no matter what happens, you get bowled out for 100. It's the accountability piece uh, around what's coming out of some of their players' mouths. So like David Warner, Gilchrist, Seawag, they weren't entertainers of the game. It, it, it's yeah. nothing new what they're doing, all Brendan McCullen's done really well is freed their players up to play a game style that suits the the athlete. For you to play a certain way to Ben is to give them the confidence to play they want. But at the moment, under pressure, that's not working for some of the players. And Joe Root's a perfect example of that. Just about to say, which brings us to Joe Root yep. and the shot he played in this test match and some of the shots and some of the ways he's getting out and basically his return is nowhere near what we know Joe Root can provide this cricket team. So has this intent stuffed him up? Well, I, I don't think it's stuffed him up. The, the thing oh, I'm looking at Joe Root, he, he did that reverse sweep or lap to Paddy Cummins a couple of times. And I, I remember sitting back at home and going, wow, that's a great shot. Um, everyone's smiling. Paddy's smiling. Joe Root's going. My point is he doesn't need to. He, he's, he's better than that. Mm. Joe Root, he, he's he's one of a generational players, so he's he's trying to get maximum result there of really really high risk. Number ten and eleven do that to try to get the game moving forward. Joe Root doesn't have to do that; he can beat them with class. And, and I think he maybe 
has got caught up in in this basball style where he doesn't need to. He can be a batter that that plays you on class, uses a crease um, deep. So I think he's a bit confused. I wanted to run two theories by your heads with Joe Root. Number one, it's complete selflessness as in he's just buying into baseball. Yep. You know, I don't care that I averaged 50 in test cricket beforehand. I'm happy for my numbers to be hurt because I'm going all in for the team. If we're doing this, I'm, I, yep. I want to be part of the team. That's theory number one. Theory number two, he was the captain before Ben Stokes and had a really tough time of it, difficult time for English cricket. He got criticized a lot. Now Stokes has taken over and is is a hero. Is there, a, is there some element in Joe Root going, all right, you want to play this way? Okay, all right, we'll do it. And he's just just almost slightly cynically just going, okay, you, you want you want me with my record to do yeah. this? All right, I'll do it. And I don't know. What do you reckon? Well, I, I reckon it's a, a good point because the, the, the first point you make is he's buying into everything. He's buying, okay, I'll play that way. We, we were – we were, I'd lost sixteen and and won the, his his captaincy record before I think uh, um, Stokes took over. So yes, he is doing the team thing. But the the thing about the best thing for the team is for Joe Root to bat long periods of time. Um, and, and it's not all like Ben Stokes doesn't score at a uh, hundred and twenty strike rate. He he gets time to get to get in, and once he gets in, he's got he's the one player that does have different gears. Mm. The the guys like Duckett um, at the top and Crawley, they got one pace. And, and the thing about what McCullum's done well with them is they're not good enough yet to to go different gears. Joe Root is, so I, I just think he needs to sit back and say, okay, yes, I'm all in with this, but the best way I can contribute to the team is to score big hundreds. And, and at the moment, he's probably not getting the runs that we, we expect from Joe Root. Well, he didn't get the runs that we were fearful of in the Ashes. In this series, he's averaging 12.83. Now, overall, the numbers on Basball uh, pre and post, Joe Root's average has gone up by nearly one run from 49 to 50 pre and post Basball, the much faster strike rate, 54 to 73, has a better 50 to 100 conversion rate. But the point is, I think the point you're trying to make is, Hads, he can sing like Adele, but he's trying to sing like James Hetfield. What's yep. the point? Just sing like Adele. And yeah, you can do it maybe, but you made your name doing a certain doing it a certain way. Just keep doing that because you're one of the best to ever play the game well, that the, way. Well, the one thing Joe Root has in his favour, Joe Root is one of the players that can play at different gears. So he's smart enough to say, okay, there's a baseball component now. I've got, I've got to take the game on and we need to drive the game a bit here because we want more time to bowl the opposition out. So, okay, then then play that style. But there's also that time where you go, okay, I've got to take two steps back. I've got to get through this situation. I, I can still hit fours and take the spinners on down the ground, but I'm going to take that really, really high-risk, low-percentage shot out of my game till – I really needed to go forward. So I, I just think he's selling himself short. I, yeah. I just think he's a, a much better player um, than what we're seeing at the moment. It'll be a remarkable turnaround if they if they come back. And I'm not putting it past them because they've got so many match winners in their in their lineup, um, England, and maybe they get might get a couple of DRS verdicts go their way. <laughs> ben Stokes wants the uh, the umpires called gone after a few mm, I'd call them shaky ones in this test match. Is is that ever gonna happen? Well, I mean, he's, Should. He, yeah, he's certainly not the only one who thinks you that. You had it. And no, I'm with Ben Stokes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, 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 <laughs> I picked that quote out, uh, Producer Sam. <laughs> Brad Haddon, I'm with Ben Stokes. <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on. Yeah, well, I, I agree too. I mean, we saw one in the summer where I think it was Travis Head and he went on to make 100. It was probably the difference in the first test. Yeah, it, he survived on umpire's call. 
and it is just a confusing thing to basically to basically have this kind of twilight zone where you know you're out but you're actually not out sort of thing i mean it's, it's just confusing and i think it would simplify it for everyone if they just backed in the technology. You yeah, either want to use hit, it or you don't. If you hit the stumps, you hit the stumps. Yeah. If you don't you're hit out. the stumps, you're, you're not out. Well, so. It makes the job a lot easier. And, and there's yeah, so yeah. much pressure on the umpires with all the cameras available. It, it takes so much pressure off them as well. And Because it affects their umpiring, yep. doesn't it? Because if they're looking at something's marginal, they've got things in their minds like how many reviews and things yep. like that. And it does. Oh, I reckon it does impact 100%. on their decision making. It, it is getting better that technology. I, I saw a later version of it, um, and maybe the ICC and and things like this are using it. But at the tennis recently, because they they now oh, just got rid yeah. of uh, lines judges totally. Amazing. And their yep. technology has got so much better that, and it's improving all the time. Um, there, there's one of the tournaments in Japan. They've actually got this super 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 slow mo where you can mm. actually see the compression of the ball when it's hitting the court. So you, you've got all this technology improving. I think. As it improves, like you say, surely mm. you can pick to the, the half millimetre where that mm. ball is going to track and hit. I never thought I'd get this uh, forum, <laughs> but just on the tennis, like when I was watching that, do you think it's taken something away from the game that you yes. don't have players losing their, yes. you know what, at umpires? Yeah. Like, I mean, to me, Definitely. that was just a huge Characters. part of the theatre of the game. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, you know, like, I think it's sad that it's gone in a yeah. way just for that reason. The funny, the funniest is when you see the player want to blow up and then realise... <laughs> I've got no one to blow up to here. Oh, I'll just pick out the the usual punching bag, the ones in my own player's box. So anyway, um, just a real quick one. I saw on the High Performance Podcast, Stuart Broad was quoted as saying about how positive they have to be with their language, especially to start the day, England, around Brennan McCullum. And everything. he wants this pos- radiance of positivity always around the squad like if you even if you're feeling like crap when you wake up which you, i'd imagine had you can do after a long yeah. day and then you get up the next day and you just feel like absolute garbage you have to find something positive in your language like oh i just had the best coffee guys it was so good so everyone is is emanating this just rays of light at the start of a day you have to be positive that's what you, you no negative talk because it brings the whole room down what do you make of that? Well, it's interesting you say that because some, some people, that's just not natural. Some people take a bit longer to get going. And Stuart Broad actually spoke a lot of common sense there. Mm. That, boom, this is twice. <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> starting to get dizzy. <laughs> well, he spoke, Can we get a medic? <laughs> uh, he, he actually, oh gosh, I'm, I'm uh, lost for words. But he, he actually said at the start he, he struggled with it. There'd be times yeah. he'd, he'd bowl 30 overs in the day takes a while to get going and you got you got to be positive and he said oh gosh what what am i going to say oh this coffee this morning is really really nice just like <laughs> a bit like joe Root's batting saying okay no no i'll buy into it i'll buy into yeah. what you're doing and i'm wholehearted in so to me that's a bit fake and, and it's a bit the same as joe yeah. Root's batting mm. it's it, so yes you want to be positive but there's also times and that just to say just give me a moment but yeah isn't it easy to say if you you are feeling like crap just don't say anything as opposed to trying to basically lie to yourself that everything is, or something is great. If you're feeling like crap, you're feeling like crap. Just keep it within. The, the one part of baseball that I really don't like is what you were raising before. And obviously, maybe when you're in that mindset of trying to be so positive, they just can't break themselves out of it. So it's all part of the act. But I, I, I don't like the arrogance of it when they're making public comments. Yep. And it's sort of just this this air of, you know, we have reinvented the wheel, aren't we so fantastic? Whereas 
yeah, just a bit of humility, a bit of modesty because they have got the compliments they deserve. They've they've yeah. played amazing cricket. They've yeah, changed they the game. They've made test cricket so much better. They have invented we don't, the sport. But though. we don't need to hear it from them all the time. Uh, Jai Swall, um, outstanding, as we mentioned, 214. We will talk about India, by the way. They did win the test match. Jadeja, who's one of my favourite cricketers because he's like – like, he, He'd be a nightmare to face over there. Did you ever face him over there? Yeah, Hans? not for long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, with the bat, with the ball, like pushed up the order because of a, a variety of reasons. And then he does what you expect with the ball. He, he just gives you you nothing on some those kind of pitches. Great cricketer. Great cricketer. So, yeah, yeah. too good. Against Australia, Jadeja has to be one of the best yep. players of the last 10 years against mm. Australia. Amazing. Well, the, what I liked about it, he, he started at number eight. He, he batted at five in this test match. India mm. were in trouble. Um, Wood, Wood was bowling with some serious gas at the start. Rohit Sharma played well as well, but he, he needed support. So they, they put him up to five. He, he played outstanding. He played a different role to, to what we've seen in the past. He, he played a bit more batsmanship. Uh, he, he worked through the innings. So, yeah, he's um, he, he's going to go down as all. Oh, he's definitely a thorn in our side of Australia, but uh, he, he's the total package Bats, bowls, and fields. I'm not sure Safraz Khan is his biggest fan, though. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you saw the run out. So Jadeja's on 99. So he's obviously a bit jumpy, which is fair enough. And he just goes, yep. And then he went, uh-uh, no. And then poor old Safraz was halfway down the wicket. He got his stumps thrown down. It was a shocker. I mean, I, I was, I'd kept the television on to see Jadeja make his 100 before yeah. I went and made dinner or something. It just was not happening. He just did not move in the 90s at all. <laughs> And uh, late dinner, it was a shame. Yeah. Well, the hard thing, also, there's a there've been a lot spoken about Khan getting his Indian debut. Yeah, he's dominated first class cricket like no other player over there. He's not the typical modern day athlete. Uh, he gets a lot of runs, and you just had to see his cat presentation. Him and his father were in tears. Yeah. That it was so emotional to finally get that moment. He he was in control in his first test, and for that to happen, yeah. Oh mate, that it's it's, it's, just, it's a classic example of just how strong Indian cricket are. Yeah. Like you see that guy play and go, how how's this? How's this his first game for India? So yeah, and he was he was trucking along to get a century in the second, and um, Rohit said, "No, nah, that's enough, boys. Come <laughs> in, <laughs> declare." I mean, run out to to do that in your first test is outstanding. What's the worst ever run out you saw? Hads? Oh dear. <laughs> I tell you the funniest one. <laughs> in the end, it wasn't a run out. We'll play. <laughs> you remember this, Benny. Uh, Sri Lanka SCG. Uh, I think it was Senga inside edge. I've quickly run, got my glove off and went to throw to the bowlers end. Shane Watson was bowling. And I seen Michael Clark running from mid off. So I've got it, stopped my throw and threw it in front of Michael so he could run into the stumps and run him out. But I had to lob Watto and he wasn't quite back at the stumps that time and he didn't see <laughs> Michael coming in. So I've lobbed Watto. Watto's gone, oh, no, what have you done? Michael's caught it. Yeah. And remember he's loaded up from a metre away from the stump <laughs> and thrown it as hard as he could at the stumps. Yeah. It hit Watto just below the knee. You must remember this. Yeah. Yeah. And do. the noise from where I was was like two bits of wood had hit together. Watto didn't flinch. <laughs> they, they shared eye contact. He, Ricky Ponting was about two metres away just looking going, what, what's just happened here? <laughs> and Watto's walked back to his mark, got on with it. Michael's sort of standing there just with his hand over his mouth thinking, oh, this is embarrassing. There was no interaction but the noise on Watto's <laughs> shin well, it was amazing. It was not out because he didn't hit the stumps. It hit Watto's leg. But the way he handled it, 
Because there's always these stories about Shane Watson and Michael Clark who started playing cricket against each yeah. other from a very, very young age of being these great rivals. Yeah. No. And it carried on through. Yeah. So if that didn't manifest itself into some yeah. kind of aggro, it, it, it was obviously a fallacy, that story, yeah. because it sounds like Mate. that could have kicked off. Oh, that could have kicked off like easily. But Watto doesn't get enough credit for it. <laughs> Michael threw it as hard <laughs> as he could from two metres away. He took it. The noise was horrible. He just looked at him, shook his head and walked back. What was said after? Oh, it was one of those moments, you know, where you come into the change room and you just look around, you're thinking, oh, we need a Bollinger or someone here just to bring it up <laughs> because <laughs> just, to, just to break the ice. It's one of those that normally breaks the ice about oh, three cans in when you're in the change room after a win, but... Uh, it wasn't good. It was a classic. Watto and Simon Cadditch had their fair share. Yeah. And there was one, wasn't there, at the MCG where they ended up just running to the same end and it was almost like a race. They're <laughs> stretching their bats out to see who could get across the line. First. Have you ever done anyone in in that? You've ended up at the same thing. Oh, I'm, I'm there first. Sorry, you got to go. No. I you're always the ultimate team man. You you were happy to. Mate, it depends on who you're batting with. Yeah. Like if you're yeah. about to get in a mix up and you're with number nine or someone, you think, oh, I'm a better player than you. <laughs> but then if you look at the other end, you think you got Ponting or Hayden, you yeah. think, oh, no, I've got to run past <laughs> them. So I'm the one that was out. So it was uh, it was when you knew the pecking order really quick, mm. when you each look at each other and said, okay, someone's got to make a decision. And, and if you're eyeball on eyeball with Ponty and Hayden, Martin, you think, that's me. <laughs> 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 Domestic cricket guys at the SCG, Victoria piled it on against New South Wales as we sit here and record the, the, the match is not quite over. By the time you listen, it probably is over. But three former test players in the Vicks lineup and Chris Rogers take a bow, son, because you've got some of uh, your cricketers playing their best cricket at the moment. Uh, Nick Maddinson, Will Pekowski, Peter Hanscom. Which century stands out for you there? Not to diminish the other two that we don't choose, but which one in particular kind of uh, widens your eyes a little? Oh, look, definitely Will Pekowski's just from the overall story. I think Nick Maddinson was probably the, the best to watch, but I think Will Pekowski, that's his first Shield 103 years. Wow. He's obviously had extended breaks, um, whether it be for concussion and also mental health. He actually missed the previous Shield game with delayed concussion symptoms from a second 11 game he'd played. So to me, that... That was a significant innings from uh, Will Bukowski. And, you know, it's a nice way – sorry, there's still a couple more games to go in the season. But yep. it does put a nice end to what seems to have been a very good season for him. Not with the bat until this point, but just for him with what he's been through to be able to get through a whole season. His confidence is up. His belief is up that he can um, get back and play for Australia again. So, to me, that, that, was, a big, that was a big knock. Yeah, I, I like that Will's came back. He, he's had a lot of adversity this season, whether whether it's been with batting at the top of the order with with some of the wickets, with concussion or, or mental health. There, there's a lot going on in, in Will's wor world. So to be able to get out there and score 100 at number three, but I like Nick Madison's. Okay. Mate, since he's gone down to from New South Wales mm. to, to Victoria, he's averaged 50 in, in first-class cricket. Hit the second ball of the game for six. Mm. Popped it in the stand off, off Jackson Burden. And the way he set up the game, it looked a pretty flat wicket out there. So he, he set the game up and, and allowed Will and, and Peter Hamskin, the, the spinning specialist, he, he loves playing at the SCG, mm. just to bat in, in their normal tempo. But uh, it was Nick Madison's 100 um, and his record for Victoria since he's gone down there. You got them as favourites for the Shield? 
Oh, so two compliments to English players, mm. English legends here. Is there going to be a third? Is there going to be a thought I'd keep pushing it. Brad Haddon compliments Victorian Mate. cricket comment on this podcast? No, I can't. It's still New South Wales, I think, can win this. <laughs> i tell you what I don't like, what they're doing at the moment, actually. Who? New South Wales is with their young keeper. Yeah. Um, young jooks. I've seen the last couple of games that they've batted him at four. They, they had a lot of time in the dirt. The SCG, Nathan Lionbowl, 50 overs. Uh, he, he's got to keep, and his number one job as a keeper is to take all your, your chances. And, yeah, I've seen Moses batting behind him. You, you've got Jack Edwards and young Davies batting at um, five, six, and seven, which, which okay, they're, they're going okay there. But for the development of the game and and where you, you, you the game style you want to play with New South Wales and, and to get these guys picked, well, I, I don't see Ollie Davies pushing his case. At number six and seven, get get up at number mm. four. Move your keeper back to seven. It just just looks like to me a few of the players are hiding away um, from taking some responsibility with the newer ball. Mm. Not great for Chris Tremaine. Although I'm going to say this drop that had us all a little surprised when we saw it. Uh, <laughs> it, it the sun was a factor. I'm not sure if that's an excuse. Okay, what, what, mm. it was an absolute dolly. Okay, it was a dolly, but he did get up and he went. I lost it. Is that an excuse? And it well, was he, had a, sun, he had sunglasses and his hat on. There, there's two. <laughs> there's two components to that. Yeah. One, watch your fast bowler doing it mid wicket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old school. He should be down at fine leg. You should have uh, one of your batters there. But yeah, it was it was a comical one, mate. I, I tell you the funniest one I've seen. <laughs> yeah, go. And this was at, at Hove playing in uh, an Ashes series. I don't know if you were com- maybe 2009. Ricky <laughs> Ponting. Well, so we're playing the tour game there at Sussex and. Punter had hot spots in his hand, so he taped it right up for the tour game. Mm. And the balls are sort of like beating him, um, got high on the splice, gone to punter at mid-wicket. He's gone to catch it, and the ball's popped out. And it was like you just underarmed to him. And we've all looked, and the first thing everyone did, head straight down. <laughs> and uh, I can't remember who was at slip. They said, what, what's Punter doing? I said, I'm not looking. <laughs> because no one, and he's just grabbed the tape. And Because I've never seen him drop any catches. <laughs> and no matter if you're at in a tour game, you're at training, you're just playing um, catches in the team room, mate, he, he caught everything. He's so competitive. When the ball, first and foremost, were in shock, then the shock was, how do we react? <laughs> because we, we can't laugh. Because if we laugh at, at Punham, we're, we're all in trouble here. So he wouldn't fight and see the funny side of it? Well, he did eventually. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure who broke the uh, – sort of looked at him and there's a chuckle then and went all around the field and he's seen the funny side of it later. But you didn't want to be the first one to break. I was, I, I was I've never say, seen one yeah. drop that easy. Mark War actually. Another one. Mark War. Mark oh. War just before uh, his last year of Shield cricket. And Mark Wall was the same. He, he was probably arguably the best fielder we've ever seen. At mid-wicket, they've just lobbed a nice little catch to him down. And I knew Mark well enough. I just remember walking past. He goes, how did I drop that? I said, mate, you've got to retire. <laughs> 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 so it was, uh, yeah. It's the funnier when you see – Chris Tremaine's was, yes, he, it got caught in the light. But it's when you see the true greats of the game, the reaction of everyone else. How, how do we react to you? I bet. So no one rolled out a nice one, Phil Tufnell or something like that? Or yeah, is it, yeah. You've got to pick your mark. And you've got to be sure of your spot in the team as well. Mm. Yeah. If you're new to the team, you're not saying Jack Sheet, are you? Well, you, you've got to be careful that all <laughs> the next training session, Ricky doesn't say, all right, let's come and do some catches and feel him with me. And poof. Back to the domestic stuff. In Adelaide, Queensland beat uh, South Australia by seven wickets. Don't know what was going on with that Adelaide Oval deck, but um, I mean – 
South Australia, their first innings, there was there was more ducks than a Chinatown window. It was three for none to start the game. Alex Carey came in and and steady things somewhat, and he had a good uh, good match with the bat. Alex, which is good to see, forty nine and, and ninety. Jack Fraser though. Duck and one, not exactly backing up his exciting end to the summer uh, with the Australian white ball stuff. Marnus, 38 and 45 in his first match. He's still looking for that form, but uh, good win for Queensland in Hobart. Caleb Jewell, a monster 227 all-rounder. Bo Webster, who's had yeah great 24 months. Big Bo, uh, 100. That match, as we sit here right now, still going. Aaron Hardy, though, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Ben picked up a calf injury, so he couldn't bowl, which is a bit of a shame for Aaron. They got the uh, the Marsh yeah. Cup final this weekend in Sydney against New South Wales. Yeah, yeah, it's a real shame. Um, you know, I think Aaron Hardy's had a great summer, and I think he's the person to watch in all three formats uh, for Australia as next man on the scene. But that would have been a great opportunity for him in New Zealand in the T Twenties because with Stoinis out, um, genuine opportunity. But um, yeah, be interesting one day Cup final. It's a shame it's not. At the SCG or at least North Sydney Oval. Well, so they've lost it, lost it for footy, have they? Yeah. Yeah, they can't the play at the SCG. And for, I think Cricket Australia has chosen Cricket Central over, uh, which is New South Wales training base out at uh, Silverwater. Yeah. They've chosen that over North Sydney Oval, which surprises me. But mm. It surprised me. You, you won't be able to get a crowd in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the other thing was interesting out of the Shield games. Yeah, you, you spoke about Marnus 38 and 45. It was his first time with leadership. Yeah. They behind the game a bit. He um, he had to rally his troops. We spoke earlier about Mitch Marsh having opportunities. I, I like that they're giving Marnus an opportunity yeah. now. Paddy's openly said he, he's not going to captain for the rest of his career. And, and you need guys like Marnus when opportunities do arise. And, and this is a perfect opportunity. Get, give them a taste of captaincy. So I, I like what Queensland did there. Yeah. In the Women's National League as well as a final this weekend on Saturday at Blundstone in Hobart, Tassie will play Queensland. Uh, Jess Jonathan, um, she vented her frustration being left out of the test team on WA. She took four for six from five overs and 29 not out. Thanks very much. Get that up your selectors, says Jess. But, um, yeah, it's hard to break into that side at the moment given what they did against South Africa. That's us for Willow Talk for this edition. Ben Horn, thank you very much. Look forward to reading your stuff. Got any exposés um, planned this week or <laughs> not anything? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> what about a headline, Brad Haddon compliments England? Full stop. <laughs> Twice. Full stop. It's certainly a shock headline. <laughs> uh, t- I'll tell you what the headline will be is I've got to go spend three hours on the couch now talking about it. I actually can't believe that came out of my mouth. <laughs> Have a good one, everyone. I'll catch you later in the week for more Willow Talk.